hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. See, I was saved in 1995. I didn't grow up in the church. I don't, I don't know all these hymns. But I, as, as I've learned that some of these hymns are so theologically rich, and they speak, they speak so much about God's character. But there was a character that we want to talk about this morning. We, we had such an amazing time last week that I felt like I, I had only given one-third of my sermon. So today is the two-thirds that we're going to get. Paul and Barnabas, as we had mentioned before, they, they kind of had a splitting, a, a separation, and Paul and Silas find themselves going to Philippi. We talked about Philippi, this port city, going into Macedonia. This is new ground, kind of like what, we, what you know, Josh was saying, new wine, new wineskin. For a lot of Jews that had converted to Christianity, they were like, I don't know, Paul, I don't know why we're going to this new wine. This is kind of a scary place. Are the Jewish strongholds are, are not really there. You're going to speak completely to Gentile believers. But Paul and Silas and Timothy, they just knew God. They knew the calling of God on their life. And off they went. And it wasn't just get on a plane and go. I was on a plane to Hamilton to Auckland just the other day. And I, I have barely enough time to get a single show in. And I'm like, prepare for landing. But for Paul and Simon, uh, Silas and, and Timothy, it would have taken weeks, if not a month, just to get there. And they get there, and they, as we mentioned before, they meet a woman named Lydia. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. And they have this encounter with Lydia, this woman that had sold purple dye, that, that purple dyed goods. She was actually, which was interesting, she was the upper class person. She was making really good money. She was very good at marketplace and commerce. She had her household. She, she had extended out her household to Paul and Silas, saying, if you ever need a place to crash, come and stay with me. She was a believer, a follower of Jesus. Interesting that she, at this upper class, this, this upper echelon of money and society, it's a woman. And she was this follower of Jesus. Acts chapter 16, verse 22 is where we'll start. It says, the crowd joined in attacking them. Because as we remembered that Paul and Silas, they meet this slave girl, the opposite pendulum of the classes. Here she is, I call it like the, the blue-collar, no-collar. Like, she is a slave. She's owned by these unscrupulous, evil men that just want to pimp her out to make money by doing fortunes. Well, she gets radically saved and freed from demonic possession. And these men, not liking that they just got rid of their meal tickets, they, they kind of rally a mob 22, the crowd joined in, attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and orders to beat them. Sorry, one sec. Here we go. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. This is when we first meet the jailer. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Notice what they're doing. They're not taking their cup along the bars. They're singing, they're singing and praying kind of like what we just did this morning. They had no, they had no kind of like words or PowerPoints. They were just singing what was ever on their heart. And they, they, what the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds, everyone's bonds. Isn't that great that there's no limitation on God's power? It wasn't like, I just love uh, Peter, I'm sorry, uh, Paul and Silas and Timmy. I'm just going to release them because that's how much power I have. No, no, no. God is unlimited in his power. God is unlimited in how he wants to free everyone. If it's upper class, middle class, lower class, slave, Greek, Hebrew, it didn't matter. He has unlimited power in freeing you. Freeing you of what? Not just a couple of bonds, because, you know, he's limited. No, all his bonds. All the bonds, all those shackles. And when the jailer woke, kind of sleeping on the job a bit, saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword ready to, about to kill himself because back then Roman law said, you have, you'll take the exact punishment if any of those people leave or escape. So he knew right there, I'm a dead man. Dead man walking anyways. And what happens? Paul cries out in a loud voice, verse 28, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Talk about a, a leader of influence. You talk about Instagrammers and YouTube influencers. He's the original influencer. Here he has an influence over prisoners in other different cells, and he's got them to the point where it's like, don't leave. We're not leaving because God loves also that guy. That guy. The guy that just imprisoned us. The guy that had a hand on the rod that was beating us. That guy. Do not harm yourself. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, interesting that he must have called them maybe two or three hours ago, maggots. You filthy maggots. You filthy, insignificant maggots. He probably called them a whole host of gnarly names. Can I use gnarly? But now what does he call them? Sirs. He recognizes the authority over all the gods. Sirs. What do I need? What do I need to do? Notice that question. What must I do? Now, what do I think? Give me, give me a five-bulleted plan of good thinking. I want to have positive thinking. I want to have the power of positive thinking. I want to have a good, you know, kind of theology. No, he doesn't say, what must I do to get saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. And to all who were in that house, 
And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he baptized, and he was baptized at once. Notice that sense of urgency. Immediately after he got, you know, he received the word of the Lord. He understood it. He perceived, it wasn't just a, a head thing, but it's a head and a heart thing. And immediately he, they just found, like, what can we fill with water? Right? You ever had that kind of a baptism? It's like, man, I just got to get baptized. Forget the tank. Can we just go to the beach? Can we just do this and do this now? And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Folks, we celebrate and we rejoice when one of you comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? We sell, and God celebrates. There's a party in heaven when one just comes to know the Lord. We talked about how there is a class system. There was the third person in there, and the middle class was this Philippian jailer. So not only this unlimited power to free all men, women, but he doesn't care how much money you make. So for Lydia, she made a lot of money. God has a salvation plan for her. For the slave girl, God has a salvation plan and a future and a hope for her. And also for the jailer, middle class civil servant. God doesn't care how much money you make or the clothes that you wear or the languages you speak or tattoos you have. God loves you. And he has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for you. Amen? We'll get there. Come on now. But as I was driving this morning, I was reminded of something that was hurtful to me. See, see the, the, the tension is, this is Pentecost Sunday. We had, well, there's an anniversary to Pentecost today. It was interesting just now that I felt like it was kind of like a Pentecost remembrance right here. All of a sudden, we had this spontaneous worship. Wasn't that fantastic this morning? God was touching you, Stu. Oh, man. He was, the heart was pounding a thousand beats a minute. And that's when the Spirit's like, that is Pentecostal moment right there. Hallelujah. And you just walked in and you just, you were amazing. God bless you. Rachel, you did a phenomenal job. Your team was amazing. You allowed me to sing a song that I don't really know the lyrics of. <laughs> Chris is going to go, that was choppy at best. But this, this scripture, this Philippian jailer was starting to conjure up concerns of mine. I grew up in a non-Christian home, and I want to honor my mom and my dad and my, my family as much as I can. But there was something that was deeply hurtful that we experienced. And I'm not going to name names, but I grew up in a culture in my home where people held grudges for a long time. Do you know what a grudge is? So a grudge is like, for me, my experience was, if I did something wrong, it was kind of not forgiven, it wasn't dealt with, it was like used later to weaponize again and again and again to remind me of all my screw-ups. And there would be like this walking on eggshells, like kind of, the lava is brewing type of aggression. 
and this grudge would be festering like a like necrosis of the flesh, eating away and destroying living tissue. That's a grudge. And I was, I was praying and driving this morning. I said, I want to speak to the two people affected here. And, and, and be that you may have been a victim of having a grudge put against you for a week, a month, five years, or you're still in a grudge. Someone is holding you literally under that water, burning you with that grudge, that anger, that frustration, that bitterness, that resentment of whatever it was. You just can't breathe. It's a, it's a torture, isn't it? I was watching a movie last night, and this guy, to get back at this person, he took a, a, zap, a, a cable tie. What do you call them here? A zip, zip tie? And he zipped it against the man's neck, but not to the point where he died. Just enough that he was choking. And he was sitting like this going, I can't, if I pull too hard, it hurt like... He just choked for hours. And that's what a grudge does. That's how I felt growing up, is that zip tie is just tight enough that I can't really breathe or swallow. And every time I I looked at that person, I just knew that they had that right there. Or maybe you're the person, sadly, and I'm not outing any names here, but you are the one that holds the grudge. You say, you have hurt me, you have damaged me, you have come against me, then I will nail you down and slowly zip tie your neck because I am justified in doing this. You hurt me, you come after my family, well, check this out. Click, 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 click. Now live in that. Well, pastor, that's not me. And then thank God it's not you. But you, you know of people. This is the way of the world, isn't it? Dog eat dog world. But as followers of Jesus, that is not our game plan. That is not how we live our life. Amen? See, for me in this case, Paul... He could have had every reason. He had every justification to hold a grudge against the jailer. He could have said, you know what, jailer? I'm just going to go ahead and watch you kill yourself. You deserve that. You took us, beat us, flogged us, and threw us in stocks. No, no, no. Don't make me, don't make me stop you. You just do you. And he would have just watched him kill himself. See, for me in that moment, sorry, I'm just getting to my notes here. Very reminiscent of the woman at the well in John 4, where the woman runs into the city, into the village, and tells everyone about Jesus Christ. Here we see a grown man, a civil servant, this Philippian jailer, a middle-class person with Salmon immediately see the miracle right before his eyes, and he calls out, what do I do to be saved? See, for him, he knew what grace immediately looks like. Paul could have held a grudge against him, but in that moment, he says something to be counter, counter-cultural. 
he says, stop. He stops the Philippian jailer. He says, I'm not going to be like that grudge-like person. Because in that moment, I think that Paul remembers his road to the road to Damascus. He gets knocked off his horse, and he's blinded, and he's led by hand all the way to Damascus. And there's a guy waiting for him. And that guy could have easily had a grudge too, going, this guy, he's been ravaging against the, and savagely against the church. And Lord, you want me to restore him? Take care of him? I just want to take a two-boy for uh, a piece of wood to the back of his head. That's what he deserves. But in that moment, that Christian, that person gives him grace, takes care of him, trains him in the gospel, shows him mercy. In that flashback, Paul remembers that. He goes, I have received great mercy. Now it is my job and responsibility to do the same for this jailer. And immediately says, stop, don't do it. And the jailer, he does the most profound thing. What do I need to do? Because in that moment too, he realizes that he should deserve death. He should have a grudge like acted out and fulfilled. But what, what Paul did was a miracle as well. Just as the earth shook and all the bonds were free, Paul released him. Paul released him and freed him from that same kind of bondage in his heart. Where are we this morning? After witnessing so much and hearing so many testimonies of God's power and his provision, are you asking the same question? Am I this morning holding any grudges against anyone right now? And they, have, they, they have, may have hurt you, said horrible things about you, done things horribly against you. And there might be some kind of like, oh, I just want to get back at them. And I'm telling you, Christian, brother, sister, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill your soul. And I'm telling you, like the plane ready to hit the mountain, pull up. Pull up. Am I holding any grudges against anyone right now? Will you, Christian? This is where the rubber hits the road. See, I was saying to someone, it's like, I want to be uh, South City C3 Church. I want to be a discipleship church. And then I, I got convicted of that. I said, no, 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 wait a second. That's so easy just to put that on my, on my website. Actually, I want to be a church that disciples people. We are discipling. This is a moment of discipling. Folks, this is what I'm asking you to do. Will you forgive them? Oh, pastor, but you don't know. I got 20 years with this guy. Doesn't matter. Right? Be honest. Doesn't matter. From Facebook. But we're here. Work. Amen? So forgive them. Forgive them. And when will you talk to someone and get help? Because... We need help. I need accountability. That's why you have 
community groups and young adult groups and, and that why we have marriage groups and that's why we have people in our lives and they can see you and go, hey, Jeremy, you know, like I, every time that guy comes in and your, your teeth start to grit and your eye gets kind of twingy and you're just, you're just like, ah, oh. it'd be like, brother, let's just talk about that for a second. What is going on, bro? Be like, that guy, he took my parking space. Oh, oh man, it just gets me. I'm like, dude, you got to forgive him. Does he know it's your parking spot? No. Okay, we need to have a sit down. But that's what we do as Christians. But we can get so, right, Jeremy? We can get so offended. And what do we do? We have no conversations. We just store them out of the church. Well, I never, Right? And off they go to Harmony or Majestic or Vineyard, and they go, oh, oh my gosh. And then guess what? You're a gift to that other pastor. You're a gift. Oh, thank you. Like, it's not. I get this hothead coming in, all righteous and angry, and I'm like, dude, what's going on? It's like, oh, that guy parked in my spot, and I just, I'm holding a grudge, pastor. He needs to pay for what he did. First thing I'm going to say to you is say, just forgive him right? Just forgive them because your soul is at jeopardy, right? Your soul is at jeopardy. Are you inviting these people? I love this, what the Philippine jailer did. Now I'm going to ask you, I'm picking on you, brother, sorry. Now, as you forgive him, now I want you to invite him into your home and feed him dinner. (laughs) But that's what the Philippine jailer did. He's like, and not only did the Philippine jailers like wash him and clean him, feed him, he got him to baptize him. Imagine if you fill the tank and say, actually, I don't want my best friend to pray for me or, or, or baptize me. I want my sworn enemy to baptize me. Isn't that the kingdom though? Because it's foolishness. It's absolute silliness to the world. But to the follower, you're going to go, the power of Christ the love of Christ, amen? And that's the testimony. You'll be faced with this decision. You'll have that angst, and the anger, that frustrated, or that offense, and the question will come, this sermon will come up and go, can you forgive him? Can you seek help? Can you get godly wisdom and counsel? Seriously, you're gonna die on the mountain of a parking space? But we, how many Christians we know have done that? And they're not here, sitting beside you. Where are they? They're sitting online on Facebook, writing horrible things in grudge land. We don't want to live in grudge land. I don't want you to be the mayor of grudge land. Break free. That's a shackle that is not, a, it's not physically on your feet, but it's a shackle in your heart. I'm going to invite the band to come up and I want us to sing one last song. Why don't we stand and sing? Because I think there might be some heart work that needs to happen right now. And you, as you're singing this song this morning, I just want you just to just close your eyes and, and pray that prayer of David. Seek me, search me and know me, God. Is there any offense in me that I got to deal with? Is there a grudge? Or maybe on the flip side, you have been hurt because of grudges. And I have, 
Over the years, I've had to forgive those people. Forgive them, Lord. They, they don't know you yet. They, they just, they hurt because, because I don't know why they hurt me. But I forgive them, Lord. But notice the solution on both ends of the spectrum is the cross. It's forgiveness. Man, I don't want Sunday Christians. Let's get serious with our walk with Jesus. Let's do some heart work. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.